Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. When you look at people around you, how many are living with purpose and how many are just existing? We all want to feel as if our lives have meaning. In the Apostle Paul's final letter before he was executed, he says that he fought the good fight and finished the race. Today, Pastor Jim encourages you to live faithfully to the purpose God has given each of you. You aren't just a random accident. God created you for a purpose, so live accordingly. It won't always be easy, but it definitely will be worth it. Well, let's join Pastor Jim in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 4 as he begins his message, Faithful to the End. The Apostle Paul has been writing to his young disciple, Pastor Timothy, who has been pastoring the church in Ephesus, and he's emphasizing to him, continue to preach the word. Preach the word continually. And by that, he also means preach an uncompromising word. Do not give in to the pressures of the world to tell everybody what they want to hear, but preach the truth. Why? He said previously in the book, time will come when people won't listen. Can you imagine that? People won't listen to the word of God. Others will also come into the church in Ephesus. They will come into various churches. It's still going on today. And they will come to change the message. The apostle Paul is writing from prison in Rome. But he tells Timothy and he tells us tonight, that his ministry is over, it's time to go home and receive his prize. I've entitled tonight's message, Faithful to the End. So in 2 Timothy chapter 4, the last verse we covered was verse 5. I'm going to read it twice. It goes like this. But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Now let's go a little slower. But you, this is personal. This is personal. It's personal for Timothy. It's personal for you. It's personal for me. But you, be watchful. Keep your eye on the ball. Don't lose focus. Some versions say be sober-minded or exercise self-control. One version says keep your head about you in these days. You be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, some versions say hardships, some say suffering, do the work of an evangelist, that's both in preaching to to the congregation there in Ephesus, but also in sharing the gospel with people. And then he says, fulfill your ministry. What does that mean? Do all of the things that God has called you to do. Now, you might say, What in the world does that have to do with me? And I will say this, if you are a follower of Jesus, I would say what he just said has everything in the world to do with you. If you're not a follower of Jesus, thank you for joining us, whether you're here with us in the building or watching online or listening on the radio. We're glad that you're with us. As we seek, as we followers of Jesus seek to be faithful, we rest in the grace of God And the faithfulness of God, 
and we rely on the power of God for the call he's given to each and every one of us. And there's a lot of things we're all called to do and other things individually we're called to do for kingdom living. Why? Because where Timothy was, where Paul was in the, in the Roman Empire, they were not in Israel, they were on the other side of the Mediterranean. Like in our day, and particularly in our area of the country, I talked to other people from our, other areas of the country, like, oh, everybody's Christian where we are. I'm like, not here. They go, you should come. I go, no, for that very reason, I'm not coming. God has not called me, maybe you, but not me, to live in an area where everybody's a Christian. God's called me to live in a place where people are not Christians. And people, we live in an area of our country where people are opposed to a gospel that they don't even know. And so people like us in such areas are called to present the gospel to them. Like Timothy, we are in a challenging situation. And like the Apostle Paul does with Timothy, we must continually encourage one another to keep pressing on, to keep moving forward, to stay connected to one another. The Apostle Paul is very open here and in other places. There will be all kinds of hardships. There will be all kinds of difficulties for those who seek to follow Jesus. I know a lot of people think that following Jesus entitles you to an easy life. I don't know what Bible they're not reading, because it's certainly not in my Bible. There's an old expression, let suffering lead you to prayer, not to despair. Let suffering lead you to prayer, not to despair. Paul puts it this way, be alert, endure hardship, share Jesus with people, and fulfill your ministry. That brings us to verse 6. We might, so, we might call it the Apostle Paul's final testimony. I reserve the right to come back to these three verses and preach them as another sermon. Just wanted to put that on record for everybody. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. Imagery from the Old Testament. He is being poured out over the sacrifice, like the, they would pour the wine out over the sacrifice. And the time for my departure is at hand. Some versions say the time for my departure is close or has come. If you're looking for a mission statement for your life, you might want to circle verse 7 in your Bible. I have fought the good fight. Don't you want to be able to say that at the end of your life? Not that I lived in such an easy place. Not that everything was fine all the time. But I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. That's how you're going to hear from God, from Jesus, well done, good and faithful servant. Verse 8, finally there is laid up for me or reserved for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, by the way, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, calls Jesus the righteous judge. So he's, when he uses the word Lord to the apostle Paul, he equates it to the name of Jesus. There you go. The Bible never says Jesus is God. Just said it. Which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me or award me on that day. And watch this. Not to me only, but to also to all who have loved his appearing. 
It's not just me who gets it, but everybody who has loved the fact that God became a man in the person of Jesus Christ. They love Jesus. They are going to get that crown of righteousness. In verse 5, the apostle Paul said to Timothy, but you. I love the way he talks to Timothy. He talks to Timothy very direct. There's, there's great love there, but there's no shaving the truth with Timothy. He lays it out. He says, but you. But here he says, for I. And he is very clear. It is, says, it is time for me to go. Could picture his friends hearing this and saying, it's Paul. Every time he gets arrested, he gets out of it. This is just another one of those times. He's just in jail again. You know him. He's going to get his way out of it. The Apostle Paul says, not this time. I'm not getting out of it this time. He says, for I have, I'm being already poured out as a drink offering. What is he saying? That my life is a living sacrifice to God. Romans 12.1, if you're taking notes. That's how I live my life. The idea is also giving up his life for the sake of others, for the salvation of others, for the sanctification or, or the becoming more Christ-like of others. And notice the Apostle Paul does not call it death. We believe his head was chopped off. He probably knows it's coming. He doesn't call it death. He has too much faith for that. What is he telling us? I'm not leaving home. I'm going home. I'm not leaving. I'm going to where I'm meant to be. Uh, the wording here is, a, is just, it's absolutely beautiful. I, I'm, I, I, unfortunately, or, or fortunately, I do funerals. Just did one this week for my mother-in-law. Very hard because I love my mother-in-law, but really hard to watch my wife while I was talking. Actually did two, that's another story. But he says, the time of the departure, of my departure is at hand. And, and the Greek language is much more uh, descriptive than our language. And, and he says, and actually the idea, the picture, the word picture is of a ship being loosened from the dock for a voyage. So just imagine there's the ship tied to the dock, anchor down, all kinds of ropes hanging up, and all of a sudden, all the sailors are like, okay, let's loosen everything up. Let's loosen the ship. And to Timothy, it's the end of his mentor's life. He, he must be saying something like this, how am I going to go on without this guy? He's been with him since he's a teenager. Now he's probably in his 30s, thinking, how in the world am I going to do what I'm going to do? How am I going to follow in this guy's footsteps? Talk about a tough act to follow. And so again, he, he, says, he says, it's the same thing for us. We lose a loved one. Sometimes we think, how am I going to go along without this loved one? But for a follower of Jesus, it is like a ship being loose from the dock, sailing towards a new life, untied from this world, no longer tied to this place. In other words, the Apostle Paul is saying, having offered my life to God, I am ready to set sail for the shores of eternity. Could you imagine that? Having that attitude, knowing that any day now, 
your head and your body may be in two different rooms. It reminds us of the famous words of Jim Elliott, who was killed in the mission field. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Paul wrote these words, 2 Corinthians 4, 17. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, loved ones, what you are going through right now is but for a moment. It's going to be in a blink of an eye. You get to the next life, it's, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, that's when that happened. I guess that was bad. It's working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Another version says glory beyond all comparison. The apostle Paul wrote this words to the Romans, Romans 8.18, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. So I just read you two verses he wrote, right? And now as he gives this, this imagery of being a ship sailing towards eternity, he actually believed what he wrote. He believed what is said in the Bible. Next, the Apostle Paul turns to how he was motivated by grace, saying, I have fought the good fight. He uses an athletic metaphor. He probably means, I have fought the greatest fight that could ever be fought. I fought the fight for faith. Everywhere he went, there was a fight. There was a challenge. And even some of his friends turned on him, just like many of Jesus' disciples had left him. Many people expect serving the Lord to be easy. The Apostle Paul would never allow himself to give in to such silliness. He realizes that serving the Lord is a spiritual battle. And sadly, the opposing forces of darkness are not just those on the outside, but they often get into, the opposing forces of darkness often get into the heads of professing Christians, something we all need to be aware of. Next, the Apostle Paul says, I have finished the race, both of life and of ministry. My race is done. My life is ending soon. But notice he didn't say, I didn't win. The, he didn't say, I won the race. He said, I have finished the race. He stayed the course. What an encouragement to all of us. You say, an encouragement for what? For endurance, for faithfulness to gospel ministry, despite all of the obstacles. He doesn't say, hey, I'm top dog. I'm the great Apostle Paul. No, he just says, I've just, you know, I've finished the race. My dear friends, please remember this. What's important for you is to finish the race that the Lord has for you, not for someone else. The Apostle, no one has given you or I the Apostle Paul's race. He had a unique race. Encourage someone else to finish their race, but try to finish your race. At the end of Hebrews 12.1, it says, let us run with endurance the race that has set, been set before us. Run the race that is set before you. You say, how do I know? Get into the Bible. 
and get the Bible into you. Read your Bible, but more importantly, as we say, let your Bible read you. And let God speak to you. And realize often that when he's calling to suit you to something that is massively inconvenient, you're probably on the right track. If it sounds, if it's easy and it's fun and doesn't, doesn't put much of a cramp in your schedule or your budget or anything or your time, probably not. Doesn't mean you can't do that kind of stuff, but there's other stuff that he will call you to do. So how do you, how do you keep your eyes on the race that is set before you? Keep your eyes on Jesus. Verse 7 ends, he says, I have kept the faith. Now, this could be any number of things. It could mean that he was loyal to his calling. He was called the apostle to the Gentiles. He was not called to the Jews. He was called to the Gentiles. We've said many times before, if you go to a, to a university and go to, a, to a, a, a secular professor of first century Roman Empire and said, who is the most influential person ever for the Christian faith, they probably wouldn't tell you Jesus. They probably would tell you Saul of Tarsus, who became the Apostle Paul. Jesus was mainly in Israel, but the Apostle Paul traveled the entirety, numerous times of the Roman Empire, getting arrested, getting shipwrecked, getting beaten. But he couldn't be stopped because the fire burned in his belly for the good news of Jesus. Perhaps it was his, his faithfulness to the word of God, to what God says, not giving in to the pressure of people. Paul, calm down. Stop making such a fuss everywhere you go. Tell the people what they want to hear. Could you imagine that? The apostle, what are you kidding me? You think that I talk to people, Paul would say, I talk to God, and people get to listen. It's also possible the Apostle Paul was saying that despite all of the hardship, he kept his personal trust in Jesus Christ throughout his time. We might say he did not apostatize. He did not fall away from the faith. He who was once a persecutor of the faith, he who was once responsible for the death of Christians, you think you've done bad things, what does God do? He takes the worst of the worst and, takes them and makes them into the best of the best. He didn't fall away. He remained faithful to the end. You see, all these guys had to do, it's one of the reasons we know the Bible is true and the apostles were true. All they had to say was, you're right, he wasn't God. He didn't rise from the dead. You're right. But none of them would say that. None of them. And after telling us we all have to a fight to endure, a race to run, and a faith to guard, he tells us something is waiting. In verse 8, he says, what's waiting for you, what's waiting for me if we are faithful? A crown of righteousness, which the Lord will give to his faithful people who love him. In their day, this crown was given to a victorious athlete, and the Apostle Paul looks forward to receiving it in glory. Now, a logical question that some people ask is, is it a reward for faith in Jesus or a righteous life? I believe the answer is both. However, without what we call the imputed righteousness, the righteousness of Jesus Christ given to you, 
For those of you that are newer to the faith or, or need a reminder, it goes like this. Here is you. You are a sinner. You are unrighteous. Here is Jesus on the cross. He is perfect. He is righteous. When you put your faith and trust in Jesus, your sin is taken and laid upon Jesus figuratively. God counts your sin against Jesus and also, just as importantly, that he takes the righteousness of Jesus and he puts it into your account. And so it doesn't matter if you're a good person. It doesn't matter how good you live your life. If you don't have the righteousness of Jesus, you will not appear before God in perfection. And so that is imputed righteousness. Without the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ through his work, what is his work? His life, his death, his resurrection. And that then is imputed to you or given to you with the response of faith and trust. You don't do anything. You just respond to it. Jesus said, repent and believe the good news. Repent, turn to God, put your trust in me and believe the good news and that is how one gets to heaven. Without that righteousness, it is impossible. In other words, after we come to faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are called as followers of Jesus to a life of faithfulness to Christ. Some of you have been told, your friends have been told, that some guy got up on a, on a stage and said to them, you can know today, come to Christ today, right down to the frontier, and if you say this prayer after me, you, you can know you're going to heaven. Not true. Maybe. Because you have to be what? Born again. And what is the guarantee that it, just because you said a prayer that you have been born again? None. Most people come forward because they want a better life. They want things to be better. And then they go out and they live their own way and they go, well, some guy told me I could live that way. Jesus said what? By their fruit, you will know them. And so people meet me at the door. They say, hey, I prayed to receive Jesus today. Does that mean I'm going to heaven? Does that mean I'm a Christian? I'm a new creation? I go, well, we'll see. We'll wait to see the results of the new birth. And so we are given this righteousness. That would encourage all this, this crown of righteousness, that would encourage Timothy as he also was no Apostle Paul. We know we came across, and as we've studied these two letters, he was timid. He just was not as bold as the Apostle Paul, but he had put his faith and trust in Jesus. He lived for the Lord. He was running his race. And he longed for the appearing, the second coming of Jesus Christ. And so the crown of righteousness would be his. In facing death, the Apostle Paul is demonstrating his confidence in the Lord's promises for the future and trusting in the grace of God. And he says, it's all coming on that day. You say, what's that day? That's the day of punishment and the day of rewards. A day that Jesus talked about more than a dozen times in the Gospels. The Apostle Paul wrote these words, Galatians 5, 5, For we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. Hope is, means in the Bible what? Certainty of righteousness. How do we get it? By faith. Through trusting in Jesus Christ. 
it's interesting that when he says it here, we, for, for we, we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. You're like, wait a minute, I put my trust in Jesus. You said we get the righteousness of Jesus. We do, but he seems to be looking forward to a day of what we might call complete righteousness. When everything is brought to completion and given to him. Here, we get the righteousness of Christ but we are still flawed human beings. We're working out our salvation with fear and trembling. But there will be a day when our righteousness will be completed and the presence of sin will no longer dwell in us. Won't that be a wonderful day? This is important for all who think, and there could be the majority of people who call themselves Christians, that it doesn't matter how you live as long as you call yourself a Christian. Some of them will hear from Jesus, I never knew you. They'll be like, hey, I was in church. Did all kinds of good stuff. And Jesus is going to go, I'm sorry. Take what you've just heard from Pastor Jim Kevney on Changed by Love and share it with a friend or neighbor. Encouraging words are priceless in today's world. Pastor Jim relies on your prayer and support each day to reach thousands of people just like you. You can also find other ways to team with Changed by Love on our website at changedbyloveradio.org or you can call 862-217-9686. We are called by His name to change the world and we are stronger together than we could ever be apart. You and Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Thank you for your support and the time you spend with Changed by Love.